prepare for prayer this morning. Reading from the book of Philippians, as Paul, in writing to this church that had sent him a gift, and as he brings that uh, letter to a close, he tells us in chapter 4, verse 4, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Now keep in mind, Paul has been imprisoned. He's bound uh, because of his faithfulness to the gospel uh, by the Roman civilization. But in that context, he says rejoice in the Lord always. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, With thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So, let us go to the Lord in prayer with these things in mind. Dear Father, we do thank you for the privilege of prayer. We are reminded that when Our great Savior, while on the cross, said, It is finished. The veil in the temple was torn from top to bottom so that the way was open for us to come into your presence any time to be able to talk with you, O Father, any time we so desire. Prayer is a privilege. We're able to come into your presence and share what's on our hearts, to praise you for who you are, to recognize that, yes, we are a sinful people. And, Father, as we come, we recognize, oh, how often we disappoint you. Oh, how often we, we, we literally betray you with our actions and with our reactions. And, Father, we beg forgiveness for that. And yet, we're reminded of the beauty of what our Savior has done so that that sin has been taken away as far as the east east is from the west. And it does not in any way, Father, hinder the ability that we have to come before you in prayer. We praise you. We thank you. Father, as we come into your presence this morning... We pray, first of all, specifically for this church that you have preserved here on this coast. You've given them a task, Father. And they've remained steadfast here in this place. And so I pray that you would guide them and that you would direct them and that you would use them. We pray specifically for Pastor Horn. Father, be with him while he's away and and with family. Just bless his time. And bring him back refreshed, renewed, Father. And may he continue to pastor faithfully here as he seeks to equip his flock for the ministry, the ministry of the saints. Be with the session and just guide them, Father. Protect them from the challenges that come as they have to live in the world but are not to be of the world. And use them, Father as they care for the spiritual needs of this congregation. 
May they be busy about the task of building the body and strengthening it. Lord, we pray for the deacons. Lord, there's more to a diaconal ministry than just taking up offering or making sure the heat's on or the air conditioner's on. Father, they're to be concerned about the physical needs of the body. As the elders, the spiritual needs. So, Father, I pray that you would be with the deacons as they manage the resources that you've given to them. As they seek to minister, dealing with financial responsibilities. Guide them, direct them, Father, that the resources you've given to them would be used to magnify the name of Jesus Christ, to enhance the ministry here on this coast. And bless them, session and diaconate, as they lead this dear fellowship. Lord, we pray for the special needs within the body. You know all that's going on. Nothing is hidden from your sight. And at the same time, dear Father, we understand that these special needs, illnesses, things of that nature, O oh Lord, ah, we're reminded of the question of the disciples when they saw the man who was born blind. And Lord, their, their, their mindset was so limited when they asked, well, who sinned, the parents or the, or the man who was blind? Jesus reminded them that's not the question. The question is, how is God going to be glorified? Father, may those who are ill be reminded of that, that you are a loving heavenly Father, that Christ is the great physician, and that things aren't done randomly, but they're done, dear Father, with a purpose. They have meaning. Life is significant. And in all these things, O oh Father, you will be glorified. And we look forward to how that's going to be done. Lord, we pray for our nation. Father, we're in a difficult time within the flow of history. In many ways, O oh Father, we as the church has not been faithful to being salt and being light. And Father, even within our lifetime, we have seen our nation just go down a path toward self-destruction. We see it in the economics. We see it in the moral issues. Who in the world would have believed in our lifetime that our country would think it would be all right for individuals of the same sex to become a couple? Oh, Lord, forgive us of our sins. Turn us around that we might once again be a country whose God is the Lord. Even as we look toward Tuesday, O oh Father, we don't have a great deal of hope. And yet, Scripture reminds us that you remove kings, you put kings in office. So once again, Lord, 
whatever happens on Tuesday. And obviously that does not remove us from, our, from fulfilling our responsibility. But what happens on Tuesday will be part of your glorious plan. For you do know the end from the beginning. And therefore we can experience that peace that passeth all understanding. For we live in the palm of your hand. May we never, never, never forget that. Father, pray that you continue to bless our time of worship. May it be a time in which the name of Jesus is magnified as we worship him this morning. For it's in his wonderful name we pray. Amen. Please open your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 10. As we work our way through this portion of Scripture, uh, we'll be looking at a transition part uh, in the book of Hebrews uh, as he has talked about the, the, the essence of his message, which, which is, and, and I believe Paul is the author of, of the book of Hebrews. Uh, it was written to a group of people who had come out of Judaism and had embraced the Lord Jesus Christ, but from whatever happened within life experiences or a weariness of time, they seemed to be on the verge of going back. And the letter of Hebrews, letter of Hebrews basically deals with all of the different aspects of the Old Testament, demonstrating their fulfillment in the person of Jesus Christ, and that he is the one for whom they had been waiting. And that to go back was to go into bankruptcy, go into uh, basically the abyss. And so he's calling them not to return to that, but to focus on the Lord Jesus Christ. We'll be reading together uh, verses 19 through 23. It is our privilege to be reading the very Word of God. Every word in it is inspired by His very breath. That's what we read in 2 Timothy chapter 3 in terms of the word inspired, literally God-breathed described for us in 2 Peter, as Peter talks about holy men of old being moved by the Holy Spirit who spoke from God, the picture of wind capturing the sail of a boat and propelling it across the water. Thus the Holy Spirit took possession of these men so that they wrote exactly what God wanted written. In Nehemiah chapter 8, when Ezra opened the book of the law, the people stood out of reverence and respect for the author of Scripture. I would ask you to please stand as we read God's Word today, Hebrews chapter 10, verses 19. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain, that is, through his flesh. 
And since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more, as you see the day drawing near. Amen. Please be seated. As we look at this portion of Scripture, the text itself breaks it down into two parts. First of all, the foundation for the exhortations. And, and by the way, as, as we look at these exhortations, please understand, they're not suggestions. You know, it's not like Jesus is sitting in heaven asking us, oh, please, please, please do these things. Okay? But in order to understand the exhortations, first of all, the senses, the S-I-N-C-E-S's, okay? You have two of those which set the foundation. The first one, therefore, brothers, since we have the confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus. Now, keep in mind, in the Jewish culture, only one time a year could only one person, the high priest, enter into the very presence of God. Okay, And so the focus here on this first sense is the significance of the temple in Jewish worship. Now that, that one time was on the Day of the Atonement when the, when the high priest would take the, the, the lamb, sacrifice it on the altar of burnt offering, go back to the laver, which was the, 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 the next piece of furniture outside the temple, wash his hands, take the bowl of blood, walk into the temple itself on one, time, the, on one side the table of showbread, on the other side the, the candlestick, and in the back the, uh, the, uh, the, the, uh, <laughs> excuse me just a minute, let me back up. Sometimes my, 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 my mouth keeps going a whole lot faster than my brain. But in, in, in the back of the holy place, was the altar of burnt incense where the priests' prayers for the people would be symbolized as this altar was, was, was kept burning. And then the high priest, with that bull, would enter through the veil into what was known as the Holy of Holies, where the Ark of the Covenant was kept. And the Ark of the Covenant represented God's presence with his people. Okay? It wasn't God. Don't fall into the Hophni and Phinehas mistake who, when they were defeated by the Philistines, ran back to get that covenant and, or that, that Ark of the Covenant and take it with them and go into battle. No, God is not in a box that simply represented his presence with his people. And he would sprinkle the blood upon that mercy seat, thus signifying the fact that because of the blood of the Lamb, the sins of the people were forgiven. Well, Paul's talking here now that because of the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, we have a new and better way because on the cross, if you remember when I prayed, on the cross he cried out, it is finished, and what happened? 
That veil was torn from top to bottom. Thus the way was open for any believer at any time because of the shed blood of the Lord Jesus Christ to enter into the very presence of God. We don't have to have a temple anymore. When you look at the uh, altar of burnt offering where the lamb was sacrificed, remember when John the, Baptist, John the Baptist saw Jesus Christ, he said, Behold, the Lamb of God. That Old Testament lamb pointed forward to the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Walk back to the laver where he was cleansed. It's in, in 1 John that we are told that we are cleansed by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. So that when God looks at us, he doesn't see unrighteous, filthy sinners. Oh, he sees those washed in the blood of Jesus who are clean and righteous, not because of what we have done, brothers and sisters, but because of what Christ has done. And then when you walk into the holy place where you have the table of showbread, who was it who said, I am the bread of life. Candlestick. I am the light of the world. Burnt incense. John tells us that we have an advocate at the very right hand of God the Father who is praying for us. Thus, temple was no longer needed. Oh yeah, when you go back into that holy place, Ark of the Covenant, which represented God's presence with His people. Remember, when the angel came to Joseph, he said, you're going to have a special child and you're going to name him Emmanuel, which means God with us. Temple, totally destroyed. We don't need that anymore. We have Jesus Christ. Every element of the temple pointed forward to Jesus, you see. So since we have confidence to enter the holy place by the blood of Jesus, and since, was, was Jesus a Levite? Who were the only ones who could be priests? Levites. But it's interesting. We're introduced to an individual in early chapters of Genesis as Abraham returned from a victory over the enemies of God. He's confronted by a, not really confronted, the man just shows up. And Abraham treats him as if he were divine. And he gives him a tithe. No questions asked. He responds to him as if he was standing in the presence of deity. In the book of Psalms, David talks about a priesthood according to the order of Melchizedek. This person who was standing with Abraham... And Abraham responded as if this person was divine, was Melchizedek, the king of Salem and the priest of the Most High God. I understand this to be an appearance of Jesus Christ in the Old Testament. Please understand, brothers and sisters, Christ did not begin when he was conceived in the womb of Mary. 
That simply began his time period of being flesh and blood. He existed from the very beginning of all time. When you read the accounts, he was with God, his Father, involved in the work of creation. And he appears in the Old Testament. We call these theophanies. Another specific example would be whenever you see the definite article, the angel of the Lord, that's Christ. Because the person responds as if they're in the presence of that one who is divine. Oh, we don't have a Levitical priest who had to offer sacrifices for his own sins. We have a priest according to the order of Melchizedek, a king priest, thus referred to as priest of the most, excuse me, thus, thus referred to as a great priest over the house of God, not a part of the house of God, over the house of God. We don't need the temple anymore because of the finished work of the Lord Jesus Christ. Christ is the fulfillment of the priesthood. He is the great priest over the house of God. Therefore, verse 22, let us draw near with a true heart in the full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. What Paul is telling us to do here is to come into the very presence of God, draw near. The barrier has been taken away. Sin has been removed. It's gone. We'll never be confronted with it again. That's the picture of Psalm 103. And we've talked about this before. When our sin is taken how far away? East from the west. Barriers taken away so that we're able to come into the very presence of God without any hesitation. All of that sin has been paid for. Past, present, and future. And so Paul says, draw near. Oh, what a beautiful picture when Paul talks about adoption in the book of Romans and in the book of Galatians. He talks about being able to cry out, Abba, Father. God has adopted us. For some reason, He chose us. He picked us up. He took us out of the kingdom of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of light, the kingdom of His beloved Son. He made us His. And we can cry out, Abba, Father. Keep in mind the term Father is one of respect. The term Abba is like saying Daddy. Personal, intensely personal. We have the privilege to have a personal relationship with that one who made us His. We have a, the, the, the privilege of being able to enter into a relationship to that one who knows everything about us, who knows every strand of hair that's on our head. That's what we're told in Matthew chapter 6. We're told not to be anxious. And, he, and Jesus tells us, hey, look at the birds, you know. Uh, uh, look at the flowers. You know, God takes care of them. And you know what? God loves human beings more than he loves birds and flowers. And he loves his children. Those children whom he saved 
and made us his. Therefore, the picture of draw near, come into his presence, enjoy that communion, enjoy that fellowship. It doesn't have to be just in times of prayer, though prayer is very much a part of that because we have the privilege of coming into God's presence and literally laying out our hearts before him to enjoy that fellowship. But we have the opportunity, we have the privilege to literally walk with him through every moment of every day that we live here on this earth until the Lord calls us home. Draw near, Paul says. Now we we all go through those times where it feels like uh, when we pray, they're just bouncing off the ceiling and coming back to us, you see. Uh, Or when we feel distant. But guys, God didn't move. It was us. Draw near, Paul says. Hold fast the confession of your hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. It's important to understand that, and I've always, I've always, always thought this was kind of interesting, why didn't the Lord, when he converted us, why didn't he just zap us out of here? Man, life would have been so much easier, you know. But, that wasn't his plan, guys. He left us here for a purpose. We're to be salt. We're to be light. We're to be as a preservative to this culture. And even, even when you put salt on me, you know, what are you doing? You're adding flavoring. So there's a real sense in which this earth ought to be better because we were here. That doesn't mean we have to be, uh, you know, the John Calvins or the Martin Luthers or the William Wilberforces or Jonathan Edwardses. No. There's just a whole lot of average people that do great things for God simply because we seek to be faithful. Simply because we understand what we believe and we desire to live it out in the reality of life. Heavenly minded while we live here, but not so heavenly minded that we're no earthly good. Because this is where the Lord uses us. Within the midst of this thing we call life. Until the day that he brings us home. Hold fast. In other words, live out your relationship with the Lord in the reality of life. That you might bring glory to that one who has saved us, to whom we belong. Thirdly, let us consider how to stimulate, encourage one another. In other words, the body of Christ is just that. The body of Christ is made up of every individual here who claims the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Doesn't matter what age we are, it doesn't matter what sex we are, doesn't matter what our occupations are, we are here and we're to encourage one another, we're to seek to build up one another so that as we labor together, we labor as a, as a military unit is a good way to illustrate it in such a way that we exalt the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's interesting that Paul actually uses 
the idea of a body to talk about the people of God. And he uses a picture, and I'll, I'm going to take some liberties with that picture, but uh, as, he, as he deals with this body, he's talking about every part having a significant place in the operation of that body, every part. And the eye has no call to talk to a little toe like, you know, I'm much better than you. Look, I, 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 I see for the body. I help to get an idea of what's going on out there. What do you do as a little toe? Well, there's a specific role that that little toe plays other than realizing that we have it when we walk through the house late at night and it's dark and we run into something. We can be reminded quite easily. But no, there's more to that. There's balance to that. So it plays an important role, you see. And that's what Paul's talking about as he talks about everybody playing a specific role within the body of Christ. There are none that are, that are any more important than any other. All together help the body to be what it's supposed to be as it labors where God has placed us. And God has placed you guys here for a reason. And it's not just to take up space. You're called to minister. And in that ministry, you're called to encourage one another so that the whole body remains strong. The whole body remains vibrant. The whole body serves that purpose together as they minister. And it's important to understand that we get so busy that uh, we have a tendency to think those those shut-ins, you know, they they, they don't, eh, you know, they never we never see them. <laughs> Some of your greatest prayer warriors. Again, God left them here for a reason. He's the one who's numbered our days. He's the one who has the plan for our lives, and we're to labor faithfully until the Lord calls us home. Remember, we belong to Him. And all of us have gifts, talents, and abilities that He expects us to be using. Not hiding them under a blanket or burying them under a, you know, out in the yard. No. He expects us to be using those things as we labor. And here again, key word, guys, together. under the authority of that one who bought us, that one who equips us, and that one who sends us out. It's critical that we then intentionally, consciously seek to be about the business of encouraging one another, to be about the business of building up one another. That's what we're called to do. We have confidence to enter the holy place. We don't need a temple. We don't need an Ark of the Covenant. I don't care how long Indiana Jones looked for it. We don't need it. Because we have Christ. Christ fulfilled every aspect of that temple. Every aspect of it. 
So, big deal when the Romans tore it down in 70 A.D. And we don't need to have it rebuilt because we look forward to something much greater when our glorious Lord returns. We don't need a Levitical priesthood. Nah. We have Christ according to the order of Melchizedek. King priest. Not just a priest. King priest. Therefore, draw near. Oh, come into the presence of God. He calls us to that, brothers and sisters. Draw near. Cry out to that one who is Abba, Father. We have the privilege of a personal relationship with that one who has made us his. Enjoy that. Spend time in the scripture. Spend time in prayer. Be encouraged by other believers, you see. But draw near. Hold fast. But just because we hold fast, that doesn't mean that God's going to save us. One of the most beautiful stories in Scripture, Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego. Nebuchadnezzar got bent out of shape with them because they wouldn't bow down to a statue that he had made of himself. He called them in. No, we're not going to bow down to you. And guess what? Even if we burn up in those flames, we're not bowing down to you. Our call is to hold fast. The end results of that are in God's hands. But brothers and sisters also realize when you, when you think about the great missionary movements, when you think about the persecution in terms of the early church and, and the sacrifices that take place, in church history there's a phrase used to describe that first century church. The blood of the martyrs is the seed of the church. If God calls for us to die in the midst of standing up for him, may we be faithful. May we be, may we be solid until the end. Because he is the one who has numbered our days. He's the one who has ordained all that will happen in our lives. What are the decrees of God? Shorter Catechism, question 7. The decrees of God, His eternal purpose, according to the counsel of His will. In other words, He doesn't bother to consult us. According to the counsel of His will, whereby, for His own glory. Guys, if God's glorified, who's blessed? He has foreordained whatsoever shall come to pass. Oh, what a precious peace we experience. And that's what Paul talks about in Philippians 4. Maybe this afternoon you can read the rest of that text. Even in the midst of persecution, Paul had peace. Hold fast, Paul says. Consider how to encourage one another. May we be in the business of faithfully Oh, faithfully helping one another 
be what Jesus Christ wants us to be. Let's pray. Father, we do thank you again for the awesomeness of the finished work of the Lord Jesus Christ. He has taken upon himself our sins and taken them away from us. And he has set us on a new course of life and given us a task, made us significant. May we be faithful to carrying out that task to the very best of our ability, dear Father. And again, as I, as I pray for this dear fellowship here, Father, you've left them here, you've placed them here on the Gulf Coast for a reason. Oh, Lord, bless them. Be with them as they draw near, as they hold fast, and as they think about ways to encourage each other. For it's in the wonderful name of our Lord Jesus that we pray. Amen.